engineers Simon Hawkes and Anthony Demanti, or Hawkes and AD to their mates, are on a journey down the river of water engineering. In this podcast series, Hawks and AD share their inspiring conversations with a cross-section of people from the water industry and beyond. The conversations aim to motivate students and professionals alike to contribute to the growth of the engineering profession. So, without further ado, it's over to you, lads. Hello, everybody, and thanks for tuning in to this first episode of The Good Drop with Hawks and AD, a water industry-flavoured podcast. My name is Simon Hawkes, and I'm joined here with my fellow co-presenter, Anthony Demanti, otherwise known as AD. Welcome, AD. Thanks, Simon, and hello, everyone. Great to be with you all. Just want to add that I'm really excited to have this opportunity to work together with you, Simon. I'm really excited to um, share knowledge from our interviews with passionate industry professionals and other inspiring people. Yeah, likewise, AD. When you and I first thought up the good drop, uh, we were thrilled by the opportunity to showcase just what a great industry it is that uh, that we work in. Now, together between the two of us, we've got over 40 years experience um, and feel that this podcast is our way of giving something back to the water industry. Uh, well said, Simon. Um, our podcast interviews will present on subject matter such as engineering, sustainability, leadership, circular economy and my favourite, the promotion of STEM. Um, For those that know me well, you know that I love telling and hearing a good story. And uh, we'll be really focusing on inviting guests who we believe will inspire and motivate you. Now, before we get into our first uh, interview, uh, we won't just mention who that is at the moment. We feel it was important for our listeners to get to know a little bit about us first. So the first a podcast episode will um, just be a showcase between the, the two of us, who we are and what makes us tick. So without further delay, it gives me great pleasure to formally introduce my co-host and good mate, Simon Hawkes. Now, I've known Hawkes for almost 15 years and I can honestly say you won't find a better bloke. Um, I'm privileged to work with him on this podcast Now, Simon comes from regional New South Wales and he is a qualified environmental engineer. But despite being from New South Wales, a majority of his career has involved working closely with water utilities in South Queensland, um, such as Logan Water and Gold Coast Water. He's just um, started a new role up with AECOM as a principal civil engineer in their Brisbane Water Office. Now, I know Simon's heavily motivated and passionate about contributing to the betterment of the water sector and its growing attempt to improve sustainability outcomes for the sector and go circular. That is to attempt to reduce the consumption and waste of the water industry and focus on the renewable and reusable elements of our industry. Simon loves working in an industry that can take waste streams and turn them into revenue streams and how the industry can reduce the stresses that humankind can place on our planet. He is also committed to encourage this focus to grow now and ever more into the future. On a personal front, uh, he's a great family man, I know that, and he's a father to one daughter. He's also a self-proclaimed sporting tragic who loves his beloved Canberra Raiders and cricket in all forms. He's also a mad keen do-it-yourselfer, 
although I haven't seen any signs or seen too many photos of his skill in this area, but I'd believe him in this. Anyway, Hawks, it's great to have you as our first interviewee. Welcome. Thanks, AD. All right, so let's let's start. And let, uh, firstly, just tell us about your journey growing up as a rural kid in New South Wales and how you ended up working in the water industry. Well, um, I probably wouldn't describe it as any different to anyone else who's grown up in a regional area. I think um, the the lifestyle of growing up um, in the country or or away from a major metropolitan centre is really good for a young kid. Um, probably offers them a little bit more in terms of the freedom and uh, just ability to roam and and uh, do do what young kids like to do in terms of getting into mischief or, or let's just say perhaps um, uh, I'd say uh, adventures along those type of type of lines. Um, you know, lots of um, exploring and uh, fishing and riding motorbikes, those type of country activities you might say. Um, but my I guess entry into uh, engineering probably wasn't really my first preferred course of, um, I guess, occupation. I, I I originally probably had career aspirations to be a pilot, um, though I perhaps applied a, a, a fairly sensible logic um, early on and uh, or you, you might say I, I chose not to maybe follow a dream, which perhaps in hindsight might have been a, a little bit of a, a short-sightedness, but um, I, I kind of thought that the, the pilot path was fairly slim pickings. Um, so my preference was, was something that, that gave me a bit more certainty. So I ended up following, um, I guess, a career into engineering where I felt there was uh, something to offer in terms of an of an interesting career. Um, very much uh, a guy who likes to to know how things work, and um, yeah, probably uh, I suppose interested in those those society uh, the the subjects which led into the study um, for engineering. You know the the base base type of subjects of maths and and chemistry and physics. Um, when I was at high school, so it was probably a fairly natural natural progression just to um, move towards something that, that gave me those interests and I guess uh, is it left or right brain? I can't remember which one, but um, definitely those more technical focused um, pursuits. So yeah, that was that was my I guess basis for going into engineering and um, I suppose in particular. Um, environmental engineering. Yes, tell us about why you chose that. Um, that would have been a fairly new stream, I would have guessed. Uh, I think, I think around future job prospects in in my young sixteen or seventeen year old head at the time, I I thought that um, there, I, well. I always had an interest uh, in water engineering in particular, but um, environmental in general, I felt it was, uh, to me, it seemed like a um, more a niche choice. Um, I hadn't really heard of environmental engineering and 
probably after a little bit of exploring what it was about sounded sounded interesting and uh and i felt like that uh if i went down that path that there'd be always a demand and and always uh, i guess uh, with with the view that there's an ever-present and increasing need for and uh, i guess more strongly environmentally focused outcomes so that was my logic and rationale for the choice just touch just tell us about you know you went to, you grew up in high school to high school you studied engineering but you didn't just go straight from your degree um, into the work first. You had a little bit of a break. Can you can you talk us about that? Yeah. Okay. Um, so I'd probably say you'd you'd call it a, a a mid mid degree crisis or a bit of a um, I guess a, an intervening um, break in studies. So I started out down the environmental path. I uh, explored ideas of changing my degree mid mid studies to uh, computer engineering and uh, mining engineering but um, I suppose had had a little bit of a, uh, some subjects anyway around some of those which I guess steered me back toward just completing the uh, original degree I started out in which is environmental um, but in, in any case after I think it was around four years I just probably needed a little bit of a break from the books, so um, took a deferral. I ended up deferring for I think three years in total, and basically just took uh, a job doing kind of casual labour hire work, which involved kind of all manner of different things. You know, I um, it usually involved short to maybe mid-term length assignments, say you know one day to six months, but yeah, basically tried my hand at a whole bunch of different um, you might say jack of all trade type um, experiences working in factories uh, um, warehouses industrial yards um, I had jobs uh, grinding sea containers all day that probably wasn't a fun one um, working in a eyeglass factory making glasses so that work experience how did that how did you find that has helped your engineering now has that any experiences there really been of value i'd like to think so but yeah can you talk to us about that i think it probably gave me an appreciation for work that i didn't want to do for 40 years definitely <laughs> okay. um yeah there's a look and and i think it gave me an appreciation for hard work, hard physical work, because there was definitely a number of number of those kind of jobs, which, yeah, my, I tip my hat to people that do it for their entire life, because um, yeah, some of those jobs I, I was happy to see the back of. Um, so that's probably one of the the main things I took away from it was was simply just having having the um, the strength to get through a, a week and and then not have to have to front up to another week. So now that you're established as a as a principal engineer, and as I said, met, just started working with Acom, can you tell me what you do now? What what does your typical day look like? Um, so largely in the consulting space at the moment, um, I would say my main focus is, I guess, design management. Um, I probably 
consider myself a, I guess a, a designer by nature more so than anything else. I've had a, I guess a background in infrastructure planning as well, um, but do probably get a good sense of job satisfaction in um, seeing, I suppose, my creations come to life and end up in in terms of being uh, built infrastructure. So um, a large focus of my role is, I guess, the preparation designs for water and wastewater infrastructure. Um, that probably involves, you know, the usual, I guess, at least people who are um, familiar with the, the consulting office, um, dealing with clients and understanding their needs, um, liaison with other stakeholders, whether they're direct or indirect, um, maybe involved with, you know, talking, talking to community stakeholders or or other 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 stakeholders that are that I guess have a have a third party influence to considerations for for designs that that we need to think of um, and usually some some form of site work um, my previous role I've, I've spent long term as you know um, uh, or sorry a, a fairly long-term secondment on a on a project where um, I, I was working on an alliance project and had a lot of um, exposure to site-based work probably not so much as a say a project engineer but a lot of that um, design interface and making sure that the design intent was met at site so um, that was uh, definitely a, a, a high point I suppose in terms of my experience and what that helps me with as a as a designer so um, when I gave you the, your intro I know you have a very big passion for the circular economy and 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 what it means. Can you can you talk about that a bit more and how it how it motivates you? Yeah, look, I think the idea that we need to do more with less has has probably been the main focus in terms of um, a circular economy approach. Um, I, I have to admit it's probably something I'm. I'm fairly uh, in the in the fledgling um, degree of experience in specifically in terms of um, I guess some of the people that work you know as circular economy consultants, but um, I think it's it's more focused around just just what I can do individually um, within the water sector, um, even down to the specifics of my job and um, you know the. Um, Infrastructure Sustainability Council of Australia, I think it's called, um, has criteria and rating systems for how to, I guess, score designs and, I guess, determine how um, sustainable they are in terms of um, closing the loop, so to speak. And I think the main thing for me is understanding how we can, yeah, do more with less and 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 um, make our designs more sustainable and and future focused and and um, I guess developing, I guess those like previously what might have been considered waste streams and and turning them into um, you know new opportunities. Um, some of the work exposed to down at Logan has has been a number of shining examples of that. Yeah, well, as you know, we're going to be talking a lot more about circular economy, and and there's going to be some really good conversations we're going to have with our with our guests. So watch this space. 
just in terms of our podcast, I'll put you on the spot and, and ask you, what do you personally want to get out of it? Um, what, what's, what's driven you to, to be part of this, this podcast? I think I think really getting to the, just a, a stage in my career where um, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say it's about having a legacy, but but just the the idea that that I've that I've done my part and 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 been able to perhaps help other engineers or even other professionals outside of engineering just to either understand our industry or or perhaps for for the younger engineer or or person starting out to perhaps take away some learnings through through some of the hopefully uh, very inspiring conversations we'll 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 aim to be having with um, some of our interviewees I think you know I think there's a lot of amazing people in our industry that that inspire me every day and so really the the goal my goal is is to be able to share that with a wider audience and um, hopefully have a have a bit of a, a local flavor I, I i you know i listen to a lot of podcasts and don't see to be honest um a lot of australian content in, in particularly in the uh, water engineering space so just looking to fill that gap and um yeah talk about our learnings and and uh, give back to the industry all right so now that you've answered some of the serious questions it, it's I want to ask you a couple of lighter style questions so our our listeners can get a better understanding of who you are. Now, on the good drop, um, we call these questions the fabulous five questions. So let's see how you go. Are you ready, Simon? Ready. Okay. So question number one. What has been the greatest piece of advice that you have received and who told you that advice? Okay. Um... Well, my mum always used to say, you know, do as you say. I'm oh, sorry, not that one. <laughs> do unto <laughs> others as you would have that do unto you. And um, you know, so that's that's always. I can't can't swear that I've been 100% successful with that one through <laughs> over the course of time. But it, it it's definitely one that that's remained with me. Um, but um, I think just a just a simple bit of advice I received actually was was um, during one of my uh, they were uh, one of my uh, casual labor hire secondment type roles where um, they usually finished fairly promptly you know you, you may not have been given advance notice that that the role was coming to a close and and so it was usually you know four o'clock on a Friday that that um, you'd be told uh, that you wouldn't be required for the next week Um and so I guess, depending on how happy you were, um, but I remember um, one particular role, probably toward the end of my um, time doing that kind of work, uh, I was called into the, the foreman's office and, you know, given the news that, that they wouldn't be needing me. So I, I guess I must have been a little bit disappointed because it was, it was, a, it was a, perhaps not a... Um, particularly challenging role like it was as making jump form but it was um, physical and um, it required use of uh, hand tools and that type of thing so I enjoyed I suppose the the um, skilled labor aspect of the job so probably a little bit disappointed but um, he, he the the foreman told me um, just remember that when one door closes another opens and it 
it's not so much advice, but just, um, I guess, presence of a mindset in terms of an understanding perhaps disappointment and um, being able to take a positive focus and think about what the opportunities are from that, that moment in time, you know, where you may be going down one path and um, might miss the opportunities that you're otherwise not, not appearing to you. So, yeah, that was, that yeah, was that, one thing that stuck with me. Yeah, excellent, excellent. And, and, and that type of uh, advice definitely helps with your resilience and, uh, yeah, it can, definitely something you can take through your life. Okay, second question. You did well the first question. So the next one, who would you like to share a dinner with and why? Right. Um, gosh, I could give you a few, but I'll probably, probably someone who I would go to on purely in it, the, the entertainment and perhaps a little bit of nerd factor would be um, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Um, I think he's uh, probably in a similar vein amazing at being able to convey extremely complex, um, you might say, uh, theory in terms of uh, space travel and those types of things and, and space in general for those uh, perhaps, um, I guess, space nerds, but um, bring it down to a, a more understandable level for the layman, which is good for me. Um, and just to also, you know, make make it uh, conveyed in such a, an entertaining fashion. Uh, yeah, yeah, really like his stuff. Um, okay, number three. What is your greatest non-work-related achievement? Um, not something that distinguishes me from anyone too much in particular, but just simply birth my daughter. Um, a very special moment, as I'm sure every other parent can attest to. I hear that she could be an engineer in the making as well. Is that is that true? So far, she she does seem to, at least when I when I ask her what she wants to be, it's it's an engineer. So fingers crossed. Perhaps not an environmental engineer or a civil engineer, but uh, an engineer nonetheless. We'll we'll see exactly what she ends up being interested in. Okay, um, number four. What is your favourite place to travel, and why? Ooh, another toughie. Um, there's a lot. So to pick just one, um, yeah, definitely hard. I, I suppose recently I've, I've uh, enjoyed travel to Spain. And um, to be honest, I'd really love to go back and do a, a little bit more travel there. I, you know, I, I couldn't say that I'm a, a language expert, but I, I do like to, to, I guess, dabble in or at least attempt to communicate in in another language and um, yeah I, I think it's it's really an amazing place in terms of its history of the last time I was there was in the south of Spain and um, you know saw some of the I guess uh, amazing sites which have um, some of the the northern African influence in terms of architecture and history fascinating place um, really loved it and uh yeah so perhaps somewhere in spain any plans to go back there soon not at the moment no i have okay. to really see how the calendar looks 
Okay, and our final fabulous question is um, something dear to my heart. Um, what is your go-to drink, uh, red, white, or other? Probably an other, I would say. Um, I would, I would probably say the the preferred drop is uh, a craft beer of some sort. Yeah, I I don't, I don't really. I'm not a, a not a one brand man when it comes to beer. That's for sure. I like to try what's out there, and there's a huge range nowadays. Um, but if someone forced me to choose between red and white, I'd probably say red. Excellent choice. Well, Simon, that concludes our our session with you, and and I want to thank you for your openness and and um, it's been really fascinating for someone that's known you for so long. There's there's still so much I don't know about you, so that's that's really really interesting. And I hope everyone enjoyed that, and um, I guess you'll turn the tables on me and and interview me shortly in the future, Simon. Is that right? Correct. We'll have part two with uh, right. Anthony Demanti. All right, well, again, that concludes our, our first episode and um, we'll hope to, uh, to put out another episode very shortly. Thanks again.